Thank you, Junior Bells. Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 945 service on this, the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. Good grief, time's flying. One more week and then we'll be to Advent, uh, so that's a great thing. Uh, in advance, happy Thanksgiving uh, this week. I won't see you on Thursday, but uh, have a blessed day. Give thanks to God. Uh, welcome, those of you in the room, many more joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. Uh, a number of you are visiting with, with us. I've met a few of you before the service. A few of you I haven't met. Thank you so much for coming. We are really honored uh, by your presence. We'd love to uh, begin to, uh, gosh, become friends, pray for you, hear things you might wonder about our church. Uh, I think there's a QR code where you can leave your contact information. You can just hand me your cell phone number. I'll text you something this week. Uh, we'd love the opportunity to begin to befriend one another. My name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Bill Roth. Good morning, everyone. I invite you to look in your worship bulletins to see the insert, all the many ways in which you can get involved in the great life of this church and its many ministries. I'm going to highlight two very quickly. We have Mary Market, which serves over 300 children, so there's an opportunity for you to purchase a gift. Go online, find out a little bit of information, purchase a gift for our children who will shop there. Also, the youth will be selling Christmas trees, and it's just around the corner, so you can pre-order your Christmas trees. Look at the bulletin, find out how you can do that. So many places for opportunities for you to be involved in the life of this church, especially in this very holy and sacred season. Now let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
affirmation of faith this morning is the Apostles' Creed. It's in your worship bulletin. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascendeth into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you now to turn your worship bulletins to the prayer confession which is printed there. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news this morning. Christ died for us while we're yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
Please stand for the reading of the gospel. <clears throat> the gospel reading is Matthew chapter 25, beginning with the 14th verse. For it will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reap where I have not sowed and gathered where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant out into the outer darkness. There men will weep and gash their teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. When I was in the 10th grade, my best friend Carl and I mounted the stage for the Brooklyn Casey High School talent show. Uh, somehow the program for this has survived all these years. And um, Carl played uh, guitar and I played piano and we harmonized. We dashed off a couple of Beatles songs when the program was over. Inexplicably, we came in second. And the prize for coming in second was $3. So I grabbed one, Carl grabbed one, there was the third dollar. Carl tore it in half. 
And friends, I still have my half. <laughs> and Carl has his half. He carries it around in his wallet. It's just so cool. Talent. Turned out Carl actually had a talent for environmental law, although his guitar and singing talent he has continued to use for God in the church. He plays in a band at his church. Uh, on the other hand, I, I don't know if I have any talent or not. I love what I do. Jesus isn't talking about talents, but it's worth thinking about the talents that you may have and how you should use them for God. If you have a talent for souffles or for painting or for plumbing or for making money or for song. Good grief. Jen, you've been singing with us forever. I never heard you by yourself before. She's got a talent for song. <laughs> Larnetta's got a talent for uh, interpreting. And sometimes when I start talking really fast, I look down. I just don't really know what she's saying. <laughs> Whatever talents you have, use it for God. Like, that's an obvious kind of thing, although I would caution you against that. It's not that you just offer your talents and your strengths to God. That sounds like a good thing. Probably the most important thing you might want to offer to God would be your, your weakness, your brokenness, your woundedness. I know for me, if I've been any use to God, it's not because of, you know, my brains, my smarts, my talents, or even my hard work. If I've been any use to God, it's because at some point I decided to let God into the part of me that's been uh, wounded. It's been broken. It's where God works. Uh, this passage, uh, talents, I mean, Jesus is doing a, this little light of mine kind of thing. Uh, when this passage refers to talents, uh, the translations all say talents. The only translation that actually gets it right is the NIV. The NIV is the New International Version. I have a friend, though, who says the NIV is the nearly infallible version. It's unlike. The nearly infallible version translates it, a bag of gold. And scholars have estimated that a talanta, a bag of gold, in those days would have weighed 70 pounds. So think about it. The first guy gets five 70-pound bags of gold. This is untold wealth, more than most of us have ever earned in a lifetime. And Jesus puts before the challenge to, like, go invest that, do something. These are people who had never had one chunk of gold in their lifetime. And Jesus says, go, in, go invest five 70-pound bags. They'd be clueless. They would be utterly, their minds would be blown by the mere suggestion of this. And that's what Jesus does. He blows our minds. It's not about just using some little talent. It's, it's something that's inexpressibly amazing and wonderful. And, of course, what Jesus is talking about here is the astonishing gift of the gospel. It, it's so big. It's so great. It's so fabulous. What do we do with it? We're a little bit clueless of what to do with it. The question is, we have a choice. Jesus puts it there. We have a choice. You can take a chance. You can invest. You can have some courage. You, you can let it go. Or the gospels you've been given, you, you can play it safe. You kind of hang on to it for yourself. These are the options. What is this gospel anyway? I thought about it this week. They're kind of bookends. Uh, they are Christmas and Easter. That's the story of Jesus. God comes to earth and Jesus, God, he, Jesus dies. He's raised from the dead. But all of that is enveloped in an even larger story that is part of the gospel from creation to God's consummation of all things at the end of time. The thing about creation, creation is one long, dazzling spectacle. 
Creation is, a, God has created a world that is a museum of wonders for us to take delight in. Uh, this week, I had an amazing thing happen this week. I went to visit a, f- a very close friend of mine that I had not seen for four or five years, largely because of COVID. He lives in Toronto, new home there. I went to visit him. And uh, Monday morning, we got in the car and drove to Niagara Falls, where my parents had honeymooned when they got married. And I'd never seen Niagara Falls. It's a lot of water. (laughs) And what was interesting is I got up my phone to take a picture, and people around me had their phones out taking pictures. And what was interesting is what they were saying as they were taking the pictures. Like one guy said, wow, three-letter word. Another guy near me used a four-letter word. that I would not repeat in this space (laughs) or anywhere. It's an ugly word, but somehow in seeing something amazing, that's the word that occurred to him. So these people around us using three-letter and four-letter words, taking photos of Niagara Falls, my friend Jason reminded me of our friend, Rabbi Steve Sager. Steve, longtime rabbi in Durham, good friend, he died. Earlier this year, Steve had told Jason that he brought his children to see Niagara Falls. And when they got there, they did not pull out their telephones and they didn't use three or four letter words. Instead, what they uttered together in unison was a prayer that they had learned from memory when they were children. What they said together on seeing Niagara Falls was, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, maker of the wonders of nature. See the difference there? Wow! Or, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, maker of the wonders of nature. We have a choice of what to do with this beauty. And about the time I was singing that talent show, Joni Mitchell came out a song that includes the lyrics, they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. Like, what is to delight in creation and maybe to be conservatives, right? To care for it. Uh, Here's another part of the gospel. We have that choice. We have another choice. Christmas is coming. We get confused about Christmas. We think, oh, it's Jesus' birthday party or whatever. Christmas, this is so important. Christmas is the time that God invites every one of us uh, to think about what we all have in common, whoever we are, and that is to look into ourselves, like to look at your body, to look into your body, to look into your mind, to look into your soul, and what you find there is what God became so that we might love God, so that we might know God. God became small for us in Christ so that we might know his heart, so that we might love him. God became one of us, so small. Uh, My sermon last week was uh, saved by the novelist Marilyn Robinson. And um, I read another essay of hers this week where she reported that she read somewhere, this is pretty cool, that the number of neurons in your brain are more than the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. That's pretty interesting, isn't it, right? If you get out on a real dark night, there are a lot of stars. But there are more neurons in your brain and everybody else's brain than there are stars in the Milky Way. Her conclusion about this is every person you pass is a grander marvel than our galaxy. 
And it's even greater than that, you see. It's not just what the scientists can measure in your head or the number of neurons that you have. You, you have, I don't know what, a soul, you know this. It's the part of you that, that dreams, that, that loves, that, that grieves, that, that has compassion, that uh, it's that part of you. It, it's the image of God. It's the part of you that reaches up, is never satisfied until you have God. All people have that. that that's why in last week's uh, sermon, I said this thing that uh, it's true. The Bible never vilifies or blames the poor, and the Bible never detests a foreigner. And the reason for this is God made every one of those with no more neurons in their head than there are stars in the galaxy. And what that means is that we, we have a choice. We can walk with, we can house, we can feed, we can educate. We can do all of this with all of these people, and we have a responsibility to do so because of the way that God has made them. We have a choice. We have a choice. Here's another thing. <clears throat> if you're new to me, you may not have uh, heard or known uh, my father-in-law. used to be the pastor here. He preached in this pulpit. He died a month ago yesterday. And uh, he was a great minister, a great pastor. And after he died, I've told, told you this world, but I'm going to repeat it for a different reason today. People reached out to me and told me all these great things that he had done, his great accomplishments as a pastor, how much he had meant to them. The single greatest thing anyone said to me, and it would be enough if it was the only thing that was said, is an older woman in our church had been a teenager in his first church. And what I said about that was, my father-in-law grew up, he was a person of great privilege. He grew up in a wealthy family. He went to Davidson College. He upgraded to Duke University. He downgraded to Cambridge University. <laughs> and after doing those things, the bishop sent him to a little mill village where nobody was educated or had any money. What did they say about him? They said, wow, he was a person of privilege. No, what they said was, we loved him so much. And I said, why did you love him? She said, he was just one of us. He was just one of us. Jesus was just one of us, but the way he was just one of us, and it shows how we can be just one of us is amazing. Jesus touched lepers. I mean, everybody else is like, oh, lepers. They ran. Jesus touched them and loved them. Jesus saw five loaves of bread and saw some potential there, and he thought, I think we could feed 5,000 people with this. <laughs> Jesus told a story about a man who had two sons, and one just squandered half the family's fortune in riotous living, and then he comes home, and the, you expect the father to say, you better be sorry and do your... No, the father runs and picks him up and twirls him around and throws a, a party. Jesus says, your neighbor is the Samaritan. <laughs> Those are people they loathe the most. Jesus says, love your enemies. Jesus died. And we think, oh, he died for our sins, which is true. But Jesus also died because he touched the untouchables. Jesus died because he exposed uh, the fake religiosity of the religious leaders of the day because his grace was so lavish, so unlimited. They put Jesus to death because he said, love your enemies. I love the hymns that we sing about Jesus. Fairest Lord Jesus, beautiful Savior. Next month we will sing... O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. My grandparents had a hymn they loved 
to sing, which is, there is a name that I love to hear, I love to sing its worth, oh, how I love Jesus. <laughs> At some point, we'll sing, how great thou art. Maybe Jim can sing it for us. And the good line is the third stanza, that when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. And then on Easter, <laughs> love when we process in on Easter, and my best, my favorite line, just so you know, is again, third stanza, we sing, soar we now where Christ has led. My Aunt Barbara died yesterday. She was the last of that generation of Howells. Uh, my father, his two brothers, her sister, all their spouses, she was the last uh, to go. She was wonderful. My cousins were texting around last night and commenting to each other on Facebook, and they said, um, they're all together now. Barbara's with her brothers and her sister and her parents, and she had a son who died years ago. She's with him. They're all together now, and that's true. They are all together now, and we rejoice over that. I didn't add, but I would add for your sake, She's not just with them, she's with all the other people. She's not just with all <clears throat> the other people, she most importantly, if we could put a mic on her face and ask her, she most importantly is with Jesus. We're duly amazed by Jesus right now. Like we know so much to say, oh, how I love Jesus. But she sees him face to face more clearly than we have. It must be so dazzling, it must be so tender, it must be so wonderful. We have a choice. What do we do with this gospel? Do we kind of hide it, keep it for ourselves, or do we take some risks, take some chances, go out in the world, stick close to Jesus, embody him? That's the thing. The last part of the gospel I want to talk about is we get to be part of a church, and a church isn't one more club. We do not charge entrance fees. I'd clarify that uh, financial gifts are so very welcome and needed. We don't charge you to get in. We don't vet you. You know, you don't have to apply. We just let them in. Let all of you in. You just come in. And what we are here, you need to know this, is we, we this is so interesting, we are Jesus like in the world now. We are the body of Christ. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his eyes, we're his face, we're his mouth. If we smile, we are Jesus smiling. If we do some good in the world, it is uh, Jesus. Uh, Friday night, Lisa and I watched the Barbie movie. Why is that funny? Just saying that. I mean, <laughs> and here's the funny part. I committed to myself at the beginning of the movie, I'm going to find something in this movie to use in my sermon. It was late in the movie, and I was despairing. <laughs> but then it came, and it was so lovely. Barbie, you may know this if you've seen her, at the turning point of the movie, she says, I want to be part of the people that make meaning. I want to be part of the people that make meaning. And I thought, I do too. <laughs> And you do too. And we are part of the people that make meaning. As best I can tell, in the world out there, there's not really any meaning that is worth it. I mean, you, in the world out there, the meaning, I guess, is, is you stay really busy chasing. I don't know what you're chasing. You're chasing it, or are you running from something? I mean, I don't know, but you keep going. You don't stop, and there are diversions along the way, and, and then... And then <laughs> I love what Stephen Covey says, you, know, you spend your life climbing the ladder and you get to the top of the ladder and you realize, oh, it's leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> and there you are. 
There's no meaning out there. The meaning is here. I love that we named our financial campaign for our new building, Hope is Here. Hope is here. We had a meeting the other day looking at the finances for that building, and we asked some questions about kind of how to finish it off, and are there people that haven't given that we can invite to be part of it, and, and I love it. We, we were kind of wringing hands a little bit, and then one guy said, guys, we've got to remember, it's God's church. It's God's church. It's God's building. <laughs> we are God's stewards. When I baptize children, I hope you pay attention. It seems cute when I light the candle, but what I'm saying then is let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. I mean, what do people see in us when we shine? What light shines in us? Marilyn Robinson, again, th this haunted me a bit this week. Sure, this is that when people look at us, what if they see no works? Or what if they see works that are stingy? Ouch. The hopes that moved Christ are disappointed day after day because we stand between grave need and gracious heaven. We are God's stewards. He has placed his hope in us, his hope for the well-being of orphans, strangers, laborers, the whole nation of the poor one by one. We have a choice with whatever is ours and how to be a church. Is it for us and we keep it safe here and do what this is? Or, or do we take risks? Do we have some courage? And go out there, I have a choice. Here's here in closing. I want to return back to the talent show theme. My daughter Grace was a little girl. We would go to those um, ballet recitals. I was trying to think of the right adjective. Like marathon. <laughs> it's just endless. And you're there for, I don't know, 15 hours, it feels like. And you came, though, for just 30 seconds. And the 30 seconds you came for is when your little darling comes out and does her plie and a chape. And like, you're done, but you got to stay. We're at one of these, and, the, and the, the ballet teacher comes out, and she's got a little group of girls, and she's got a microphone. I think, what is this? And she, I've told a few of you this before. This is great. She says, um, I want to ask you girls what you want to be when you grow up. So she comes to the first little girl and says, what do you want to be when you grow up? This little girl says, when I grow up, I want to be rich. <laughs> and I watched her mother just dissolve. <laughs> her mother being someone who actually wished to be rich. The little girl, no doubt, wished to be rich. Probably so many of us in this room wish to be rich. And all I can say to you is go for it. I mean, let's try to become as rich as we can be, become rich in the things of God, become rich in prayer, become rich in, like, we want to be rich as the kind of church that people look at and say, hope really is there. <laughs> we want to be rich in, in doing good for others. We want to be rich in knowing the, the love, the extravagant, lavish grace of God. We want to be rich in marveling over the creation of that Lord, the King of the universe, the maker of the wonders of nature. <laughs> has put out there so that we might glorify him. We want to be rich in all of these things. You know, one of the talent show, when my daughter Sarah was five years old, she entered the church talent show. Uh, I played the piano, and uh, she sang. She sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It was great. Judy Garland did not sing it so well. <laughs> and inexplicably, she came in second. It's like it's the Howell family curse. We're never going to win these things. 
And it was great. And then uh, when she, some of you know the story. When she got married, she called me and said, uh, Dad, you know how uh, at the reception there's always that first father-daughter dance? I said, yes. I, mean, I'm, I have no talent at dancing. And she said, I, I don't want to do that. And I tried to disguise my <laughs> She said, instead, I don't want to do a first song. I said, tell me more. She said, I want to redo what we did when I was five. I want you to play the piano, and I'm going to sing somewhere over the rainbow. And the words to it actually are perfect for us in church at this time, not just for a girl getting married. You probably know the words. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue. And the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. Friends, this church is an incubator of dreams. The church is an incubator of dreams. You come here to learn how to dream. And our dream is that we will be the people of God, that we will know the love of Jesus, that we will embody it, that we won't just kind of hide it small, keep it for ourselves, but we'll be bold risk takers. We'll have courage. We will say, yes, Lord, whatever. Whatever we can do for you, we want to. You're, 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 you are wonderful beyond all measure. <laughs> Jesus, you're the one. There's a name that I love to hear. Oh, how I love Jesus, and it becomes so evident in everything that we do, and when, when we do this at the end of our days, like my Aunt Barbara, any of us, my father-in-law, whoever, we indeed, for that, will hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Heavenly God, as the holiday season approaches, attune our thoughts and actions to you, O Lord. Grant us the courage to choose holiness in our thoughts, actions, and speech. May we be more like you, and Lord, forgive us when we fail. Lord, in your mercy. All loving God, you understand our wounds. You understand what has hurt us and what continues to cause us pain. You have heard our cries and have never left us. Lord, help us to heal. Help us to not let old patterns repeat themselves. Give us the courage to seek help when we need it and to lean on your healing power. Lord, in your mercy. God, as the holiday week approaches, prepare our hearts to be in environments that might feel tense, painful, and even unwelcoming. Grant us peace when we feel hurt, patience when we feel frustrated, and help us to see the best in others and ourselves as we celebrate this week. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we know that loneliness will be known by many this week. We lift up all who are separated from their families by geography, illness, or conflict. We lift up those who are mourning the loss of a loved one and those who do not yet have a family or friends to celebrate this holiday with. Be with them. Fill their table with your abundant love. Lord, in your mercy. God, fill our hearts with gratitude as we celebrate and appreciate all that is good that comes from you. Let us be formed by your goodness as we pray the prayer your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. As we prepare for our offering, I want to give thanks for your continued generosity throughout this year. Um, we want to celebrate that one of the things your generosity has allowed us to create is an Advent devotional. Uh, we encourage you to pick that up. It's made by our children's ministry and includes lots of art from our children. So we encourage you to pray with us throughout that season. Thank you.
As we prepare our hearts to practice gratitude, may our gratitude be transformed into generosity to participate in the upbuilding of your kingdom. Lord's name we pray, amen. of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore. Mm -hmm. 